0: This is my friend Michael Sullivan. He's a pastor in the Kansas City area, and he's going to be with us uh, today and again this evening. And really excited to have Michael with us as we kind of begin studying this passage, because he's someone in my own life that has helped me uh, learn to practice the way of Jesus. And he's ministered to many in our church and has a, a life really that he's spent on practicing the way. So I thought he could help us as we get started with this, uh, begin to understand this passage of scripture. So Michael, introduce yourselves to, to everybody here. We've got a lot of new faces. Introduce yourself and kind of give us a sense of who you are and okay. where you're from.
1: Well, um, first of all, I'll just say that I'm glad to be with you all today. It's a real honor and privilege always to be with God's people and to get the opportunity to open my heart to, to them. And so thanks for inviting me. It's good to be with you, Zach. I love you, and bless you. Uh, and, I'm, and I'm marveling at your new place, and I, this is the first time I've been to this facility, and just rejoicing with what's going the on. The halls
0: are a little bit bigger than the old place. That's
1: true, that is true. Roof
0: works a little better.
1: You, but you guys really learn to love one another in that, in that tight space, so. <laughs> um, so I am um, 63. Uh, I've been married to Terry for 41 years, next month. And we have five adult children and number 12 grandchild on the way.
0: Congratulations. Thank you. Um, I think we have a picture that we could put up.
1: Yeah, so um, my crew, I'm so pleased with their lives, especially because they uh, they have all followed the Lord. Mm-hmm. They accepted the Lord when they were young children, and then they renewed their faith along the way. We found that, you know, teenage years, uh, puberty time is a, as a wonderful time for them to rediscover the faith of their childhood, and then again when uh, when they become young adults, you know, nineteen twenty, something like that. Those are passages of life, and it's important for people to renew their commitment to Christ uh, in those years. And that's what our kids did, and and also their spouses. And so everybody loves Jesus very deeply, and they're just uh, highly gifted and doing marvelous things. So I'm really proud, proud daddy. That's awesome. Yeah, and a proud husband. My wife just came out with her first book, and um, so you can go to our website, uh, radiusministries.org, and see her new book. It's really a great, great book, really fun to read. Um, So anyway, we uh, live in Kansas City since 1987, and uh, we're a happy family by the grace of God. So that's a little intro.
0: Amen. Well, there you go. Yeah. So when we look at this passage of Scripture, and we're kind of thinking about this idea of practicing the way of Jesus, yeah. uh, talk to us about how you began that journey. How did you kind of start to practice the way? Were you born into it, or how did, how did this come about?
1: Yeah, actually not born into it. Born into um, a, a, a middle American family and, um, that had vestiges of Christian tradition, In our family and that was good because it it created a somewhat of a stable foundation for our family my dad and mom loved each other stuck together we had a lot of natural affection in our family which i look back on with great appreciation you know we had a lot of hugs and kisses and that's so important um and so but we didn't know about jesus we didn't know that the bible was relevant to 21st century people or 20th century people back then. And uh, we I kind of thought it was an ancient mystical book that nobody really understood. Yeah. And um, But, um, and we didn't know people really very well that followed Jesus or talked about him. So we were pretty just oblivious, you know, and, um, but it was the time of the Jesus movement, you know, in the late 60s and early 70s, it came across our nation. Mm-hmm. And uh, my older brother, two and a half years older, his name is Mark. Uh, Mark came home one night and he was all wet and I was doing my homework. I was 16 years old and I looked at him and he was all wet and I I said, what happened to you? He said, I got baptized. I said, right, because I know you can't get that wet being sprinkled with water. And he said, no, they dunked me in a tank. I said, what? (laughs) I'd never heard of immersion. And so he said, yeah, I accepted Jesus as my personal savior. Which really, I'd never heard that before. and really offended me because I thought, and I think I said to him, like, I'm sure Jesus is your personal savior. Like, how do you, how do you rate to have a personal savior? Like, rich people have personal chauffeurs for their cars. I don't think so. And uh, so I was very cynical. Uh, I was a pseudo-intellectual hippie jock so that's interesting combo yeah yeah very interesting (laughs) so anyway uh he he said he said i got saved i never heard that before but i always remembered him saying it I got saved, I thought, that's weird, you know? <laughs> and, then, and then he said, and you need to be saved too. And that's when I called time out, you know, I said, it's one thing for you to go on another trip like you've been on many, and now you're going on a religious trip, but I will deprogram you, mm. you know? So anyway, he said, you got to come to this church with me. So uh, I decided to go to prove to him that I couldn't be as easily manipulated <laughs> by, by people as he had been. So I went to this church and it was a real culture shock. Because the first thing I noticed was that everybody was pretending like they really enjoyed being there. Because I'd never been at a church where people seemed to enjoy it. So anyway, um, they were, you know, different. And they all had personal Bibles. I thought, oh, personal Savior, personal Bible, you know. <laughs> like, why does everybody need a Bible? Like, isn't one big Bible at the front of the church good enough, you know? And uh, so, but you know, they all had Bibles. And so then after they sang some songs, the, the preacher got up and he, he actually read the whole, i never forget it, the the whole chapter of Romans 10. Mm. Must've taken like two minutes. <laughs> and uh, I was shocked, like they read the whole passage and people are reading it in their own Bible while he's reading it. And they're pretending now that the Bible is relevant to their lives. Mm. So that's what I thought. That's how I, you know, imagined it going on. Like, this is really different. And you know, guys, the, what happened is just uh, truly heavenly because I, uh, I somehow the Holy Spirit was moving upon me, and I, I got into this other space I'd never been into before, and I heard an audible voice speak to me, and it was the voice of my Creator, mm. and I knew there was a God, but I thought you had to die to meet God. I'd never heard of meeting God before you died, so. You know, I thought I'd, I was a good person, one day I'd die, God would be really glad I died and showed up at his house and he'd let me in. But, um, so that was kind of my, my idea. And I believed that there was a God. Uh, so, but, but then, you know, this voice spoke to me and called me by name and basically told me in a very firm but tender way that there was something really wrong inside of me. And I was convicted of sins, convicted. I didn't think of myself as a sinner, but I was convicted of all the times that I had um, hurt people, spoke evil things to people. Uh, I still get moved because I relive my vision and my experience when I tell it. And um, you know, I just saw all of the all of the failures that I and choices that I'd made that were so selfish, and it scared me. You know, uh, and I didn't come to Jesus that day, but I had this encounter. It was a conviction experience, a supernatural conviction experience, and I tried to run away from it because I was afraid that God would. Uh, make me into a person I didn't want to be. And so I figured I'd just go really and tr- try to be a better person. But I finally, you know, ran out of gas and God caught up with me. And when I was 18, two years later, after I graduated from high school, I, uh, I said this prayer to God, I didn't know how to pray. So I said, I give up, you got me. <laughs> that was my prayer. That one, that one works by the way, if you ever <laughs> need that one. And, um, and I had visions, I had prophetic visions. And prophetic visions are like daydreams, except they're not daydreams. You're not drifting off. It, they invade your headspace, and it's like a like a night dream, you know, a vivid night dream, only it's daytime and you're awake. And so I saw these visions, and they were very, very descriptive of my condition and what God was doing at that moment. And I was saved, um, like my brothers told me I needed to be. <laughs> As I was literally transformed and uh, it was a remarkable experience. I was overwhelmed with joy and um, and that was the beginning of my my walk with Christ.
0: Mm. Such a powerful story. I just want to pause right here., uh, we often have people who are a part of our church who are exploring faith. They wouldn't call themselves a follower of Jesus or no. practicing the way, but they're they're interested. and in, and what would you say to them kind of as we start to look at this, what would your kind of yeah. advice be to them?
1: Um, well, I, the, I remember being, a, like I said, being afraid to follow Jesus uh, because I thought that he'd make me into somebody I didn't want to be. And that is so far from the truth. That was a lie, you know, from Satan trying to hinder me. And so I would say to people, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid of what God may do in your life. He, he, will, he will actually tr- transform you into the person that you're destined to be by him. And he knows better than we do who we're supposed to be. And so don't be afraid uh, he's so full of love. He's so full of joy. He, he delights over our lives, and he wants to have a, a relationship with us. And he wants to be our friend. The almighty God wants to be our friend. And it's just important not to turn him down, you know? We've got this amazing life and opportunity to, to put our trust in him and to bond to him. And um, so I would encourage you to follow Jesus, I guess.
0: It's good advice. (laughs) So that uh, experience for you is just after you graduated high school and then you step into college. Mm -hmm. What happened then?
1: So, so at college, um, I, I went away to college in Ohio to a place nobody knew me and I didn't know anybody literally. And, and so I was a brand new believer in a brand new place with no relationships from the past there in our little town, our university town, Miami of Ohio. And, um, and so I started reading my Bible, and on the weekends, that's what I did as a freshman. I'd stay in the corner room where I was living and read my Bible. Uh, and, and I just started soaking in the, the New Testament, especially, and it became alive to me. And so my, my, my dorm mates knew I was kind of different, you know, and I looked like a hippie, but I was a Bible guy. And um, so, you know, during that year, every single guy, in my corridor ended up in my room Mm. talking from their heart about their life Mm. and about their faith or their lack of faith, Mm. and I got a chance to share Jesus Mm. with all of them, and 13 of them decided to follow.
0: Wow, that's a very powerful freshman year. Yeah. Uh, but I know it doesn't stop there. So give us sophomore, junior, senior year. What yeah, happened?
1: Yeah, so we formed a Bible study in a dorm room, and then we outgrew that, and we ended up with two hundred people in the in the municipal building, and I was the teacher. <laughs> that sounds scary, doesn't it? <laughs> a sophomore in college being a Bible teacher, but that's what I did. I, I was sharing what I was learning, and we were sharing our faith, and we met in small groups, and we followed the Lord, and we worshiped, and the gifts of the Spirit were happening, which the churches in town didn't really understand, and so we formed our own student church, and I ended up literally dropping out of college to be a pastor, mm. so that's how I fi- figured out I was supposed to be a minister. Mm.
0: There you go. So that is uh, uh, roughly around 40 years ago. And for the last 40 years, you've sought to practice the way of Jesus in an ongoing way uh, in your marriage and with your kids. And then you've been able to help a number of people over the years kind of either begin to practice the way or grow in their practice of the way. So we're really excited to learn from you. And I'd love for you to kind of take Uh, of your 40 years of experience, Mm -hmm. what would be some advice as we start to look at this, kind of help us understand what Jesus is talking about and what that might mean for our lives? So, you know,
1: building our lives on what Jesus said is what we read about and and building it on a firm rock. Uh, If I could paraphrase or boil down the teaching of Christ, I would say it's all centered in the message, the reality of God's love. Mm. Uh, the Christianity is about love, and love from love as defined by God, not love as defined by culture, yeah. but love as defined by God. And the very first thing, it, you know, I think I can, I think I can honestly paraphrase what Jesus would say to us, because uh, he said it in many different ways. But it would be this: Will you? Will you receive the love that God has for you? That's where it starts. Will you receive the love? Because it takes courage to receive love. It takes courage to admit that you want love and that you need love. It takes, it takes humility to say, I can't just make it on my own without the, the, the love of my creator. And, and, and Jesus commands us to receive God's love. It's hard for us because we know our faults and failures and our foibles and we're not perfect and we, we don't feel worthy to be loved, but but he loves us anyway. He looks beyond that defense that we put up and he wants us. He wants us to want him back, but he first wants us and he wants us to know he wants us. He has he pursues us. He leaves the 99, we sang, that r- reckless love of God that breaks through all of the barriers. And so he loves every one of us. God so loved the world that he gave his son that if we simply trust him, then we pass from death into life. And he's the one who knows what life is about. And... Our love for God, John says in his epistle, he says, in this is love, not that we loved God. As important as it is to love God, it's the great commandment to love God and to love our neighbor. It's a great commandment, but John says, here's the essence of love. It's not that we love God and love our neighbor. It's that God loved us and gave his son for us. And then he, and then he says, oh yes, we do love, verse 19, chapter four, we do love, but it's because there's a cause for our love. And that cause is that he, what? First mm. loved us. Mm. A lot of Christians haven't had that reality soak deeply enough into the very core mm. of their brain and the core of their being mm. that God God first loved us, and then our love for him is a response. it's a, mm. It's a natural supernatural response to his love for us, and we start to love him back. Mm. And then he loves us more. And then we start to love him. And we get better at receiving God's love and giving it. And then he, he, he says, now I want my love to spill over, out of your life, to, to other people. So it's to your family. It's to our, each other in the body of Christ. This is very important in the New Testament, to love one another as brothers and sisters in the family. We must love one another. And and when we do that, it creates a a kind of jealousy in the world that's watching. They're watching us more closely than we think. And if we genuinely love one another, they, they get jealous and they say, how do I get in on that kind of friendship, that kind of bond? And many people come to the Lord because of that kind of witness of uh, the love that we have for each other. But then it doesn't stop there. We're called to love our neighbor who maybe hasn't come to faith, but we're also called to... Even love our enemy, which is, this is the way of Christ. This is so different than the culture, to love our enemies. But when we do, we we defang the enemy. We, you know, we disarm our enemies when we love them rather than meet force with force or hate with hate. This is the way so of
0: powerful. So I want to just press rewind on a thought you shared that I think is really. Uh, just really profound. So when we're talking about practicing the way of Jesus, I think many of us would say, okay, well, I guess that means like I read my Bible and I pray and I go to church and I kind of do these things. And you're saying, well, those those are things. Yes. But that in the foundation level, at the foundation level of practicing the way is receiving the love that Jesus has for us. Yeah as a defining thing in our lives. Am I understanding you correctly? Yeah,
1: yeah. It's, it's, uh, you know, the love, and by the way, when we love, that's the key to joy. Loving is the key to joy. And we need a love joy oven to bake the ingredients. Those are all, all those things are good. Prayer, fasting, giving, you know, witnessing, reading our Bibles, uh, you know, whatever, helping the poor, all of those are ingredients of the Christian life. But our problem, I think, has significantly been that we've mixed all the ingredients together, you know. Here they are, and here's the bowl, and here, here you go. You know, have my cake. And you, you, you know, look at it and go, yeah, you know. We need, a, we need an oven to bake in it. And when we put those ingredients in the oven, then it, it transforms into a cake, you go, oh, that cake is so delicious. Mm. It's so Mm. good. So we need the oven of love and joy uh, in the culture of our lives, in the culture of our souls, and in the culture of our churches, Mm. so that those ingredients can have this miraculous integration Mm. and transformation into what they're supposed to be Mm. together.
0: Mm. That's really a powerful image, that idea of the oven being the environment that those gifts turn into a cake. Um, Let me just... On this idea, I think for many of us, we relate to God kind of in the common American way, which is God's up there, out there, kind of distant and removed. And like you said, uh, you know, good people go to heaven, uh, bad people, I don't really know what happens to them, but I'm a good person, so that's what matters. That, that's kind of one view of God. And then the other view of God that I think uh, a lot of us can have is God's real, He's present, and He's angry, and He is looking for you know, where I'm screwing up, and that's kind of the defining thing uh, about my relationship with him. What you're talking about, is something completely different, yeah. is that God loves us. So just talk a little bit more about that kind of dynamic.
1: You know, right after Jesus said, and this is the words of Jesus, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. He's talking about himself in John three sixteen, that whosoever believes in him, you know, will not perish, but have everlasting life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, mm but that the world might be saved through him. Uh, God is on a rescue mission, and he loves us more than we've imagined. Mm. I think that's a a very important truth. There is justice, but in the New Testament, justice is nested in mercy. Mm. James says mercy triumphs over justice. Mm. Isn't that a strange statement there's justice it's good we ultimately there needs to be a a, a punishment of evil that has infected and invaded god 's good world but but there's mercy that it's nested in and it, and that, and then mercy and justice are nested in this love of god and and so there's error by emphasis that comes across to us when we read about the justice of God you know it can create a fear bond with God and we start to Want to obey him, but we're—it's out of fear. But but John says perfect love casts out fear, yeah. and because fear involves punishment, so we're delivered when we really get the gospel down inside of us. It delivers us from the fear of uh, of being before the Lord and being with the Lord. Um, so I think there's an error by emphasis that's come into the. Uh, church world, not and not just the traditional churches, as it were, but the the conservative, evangelical and fundamentalist churches as well, where there's a caricaturization of God's nature, and we need to have it redressed because He's a lot He's a lot better than we think He is. Like Bill Johnson says, God is better than we think He is.
0: Mm. That that is uh, powerful and life-transforming as we as we grasp that. Now you said the second kind of building on that foundation layer is the loving one another yep. within the body of Christ and that overflowing outside of the body of Christ. But talk with us a little bit. That's a very different view of church. Mm. Whereas I know growing up for me, church was a building. Mm-hmm. It was a meeting at a certain time of day. It felt a little bit like, a, a I don't know, a country club or a political party that you kind of Got into, right. uh, but what you're talking about is it sounds like church is is a lot more than a building or a meeting, but it's yeah. like a community. So help yeah. us understand that because it's very different. Yeah, than...
1: it's a community and it's a it's a network. It's a network of interpersonal relationships that are healthy, yeah. you know, not not necessarily at first. We have to learn about healthy relationships, but it's it's generally a network of healthy interdependent relationships, not independent and not codependent, mm-hmm. but interdependent. And with Jesus at the center of those relationships where we are feeding Christ to one another in a very significant way. And so it's not meetings and it's, it's not uh, uh, events that hold us together. It's the bonds of genuine connection, yeah. personal connection with friends who are the friends of Christ. Yeah. And, and that's the community, that's the family that we invite outsiders into generously say, come on, come through the door. You know, Mm -hmm. uh, we want you to be a part of this amazing, you know, it's really, I'll be a little theological about it. We're an eschatological community that is a witness to the world of the, of the age to come. Mm -hmm. We are, uh, uh, an outpost mm. of heaven on earth in mm. our network mm. of f- friends in Christ mm. and the way we live and the spirit that we live by is transformative mm. and very different than any other social group mm. in the world
0: mm. that, that's so powerful so help me to, on the, when you're defining eschatological it's not a term that you know you might use every day on the streets and, yep. but this concept is really powerful the sign of the outpost. So, so break that down for us a little bit more.
1: Well, so, so you know, eschatology is about the, the end of things in, in theology. So the end of things is that there's this sweet, when it applies to us as the church, it's, it's the sweet society of the friends of God, the children of God, and that we are, we are modeling and we are embodying the power of a future age, and that's why we prophesy, because we're we're speaking about the future, but the future has invaded the present, mm. and so we we can sometimes even foretell the future by the power of the spirit, because the the future is coming to bear upon the present.
0: Mm. So that's uh, really helpful to think about that when we're talking about practicing the way, foundation level layer is. I grasp the love of God for me. And then building on that, it's being a part of a loving community yeah. of the church. And those are the ingredients that, that bake the cake in. And that's a witness of what God is doing yeah. in the world, in the future, the way things are going to yeah. be resolved. It's just a really beautiful, beautiful yeah. picture. Now, you have a, a gift in your life of helping people grow in knowing and experiencing the Holy Spirit. And talk to us about how that idea of receiving God's love and being in a loving community, how does that intersect or play into a relationship with the Holy Spirit?
1: Well, the Holy Spirit is a spirit of love. You know, uh, Paul says, we haven't received a spirit of fear, but of power and love and a sound mind. And those are three streams of the Spirit's ministry that are very, very beautiful and important to talk about. And one of those streams is love. You know, so he's the one who's behind the love. He's the one that's the inspiration for this love. It's we don't conjure it with from within ourselves to love God back or to love other people. It's something the Holy Spirit gives us grace for. And so it's the Holy Spirit is a spirit of love, but but he's also a spirit of power. And power it, uh, like Paul says, if power isn't nested in love, then it runs, a, it runs off the rails. I can have faith to remove mountains. I can know all knowledge. I can have the gift of prophecy. But if I don't have love, I'm nothing. I'm just a tinkling cymbal. And so love has got to be the context. But when we do have that context, then the the power is good. The power is a tool. The gifts of the Spirit are tools to help us love better Mm. because we're able to love people not just in our own strength, but we're able to love people by the power of the Spirit. Mm. And then he does things that only he can do, but he's doing them through us. Mm. And that's his... He loves to do that. The Holy Spirit from Genesis to Revelation, you read it, he loves to work through people. God works through people. And sometimes we forget that. And we think it's kind of uh, God wants to just work independently of us and just touch everybody and change the world. But it doesn't work that way. He works through people. He works through his people.
0: I love that idea of the gifts of the Spirit helping us to love better yeah, and to love beyond our own strength, but to really love with the the power of Christ. That is just... I don't know. I could think about that all day. I want to, I want to ask you another question on this as we're talking about this idea. Um, you know, the Bible also talks about fearing God and, yeah. and I hear you say that we're not to fear, yeah. but the Bible says we are to fear help, help us understand that. Cause I think that yeah. that would really help us enter into what you're talking about.
1: Yeah. 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 That's a great question. Um, because certainly the Bible does talk about fear, the beginning of wisdom, you know, it's the beginning of wisdom, but it's the beginning. You know, there is a fear in the sense that God is awesome. He's almighty. He's transcendent. He made us. He made everything. He made the oceans, the stars, you know, who can compare to him? It's that kind of awe uh, that we should have of God. But then we find out that he's also imminent, and that's where there's been an imbalance is that some churches and church movements have emphasized his transcendence to the neglect of his eminence. But the Bible teaches that he's both. And so he, he is above and beyond all things, but he, he condescends to care for each heart. To, he cares for each person. And we haven't often emphasized that eminence enough to where we can actually be friends with this God. This Almighty God, we can actually be His friends. Mm-hmm. And He wants us to be His friends. Mm-hmm. And so we're redressing uh, an imbalance. Mm-hmm. And, and so sometimes uh, inadvertently in the church world, uh, church leaders have, have presented God in such a way that, pro- that, that actually evokes a wrong kind of fear. Mm-hmm. And people have a fear bond with God rather than a love bond. But the gospel is just soaked in the love, the love bond. And that's the imbalance we have to address. We can still be in awe of him. And there are times to get on your face, you know, and shed tears for the world and yourself and whatever and just be humble, you know, before God. But there's also a time to get up and be his friend and work with him and walk with him, right? So this is a, a, it's a hermeneutical balance that needs to come back into the church world.
0: I love. I love thinking about that. On the, the idea of the Holy Spirit, um, that's what you're gonna be talking about tonight. Yeah. If, if you're interested, you would come tonight. we be talking more on kind of how we cultivate that type of relationship with the Spirit. That'll be really really cool. But f- for all of us right now, kind of as we close, um, what would you say as we're kind of starting out on this journey? Uh, what would you say to us as okay? Well, how do we take this and and incorporate it into our own lives? Yeah, I I mean,
1: I think that it's important to go back to the very beginnings uh, regularly and just revisit that fundamental truth, you know, that we love, yes, we love because he first loved us. And I think there are a lot of sincere believers who who kind of intellectually know that God loves them, but there's some barriers that keep that knowledge from going into the core of their being. Mm-hmm. And I think we need to get good in the church world at breaking down those barriers, of mo- removing those obstacles that keep people from feeling it, mm-hmm. keep people from connecting to the awareness of how much God loves them. Mm-hmm. I'm convinced that a lot of Christian people don't, I haven't soaked long enough mm. in, that, uh, in that reality. Mm. And they haven't drunk it in deeply enough to where it really, really mm. has uh, soaked their inner being to the point that it needs to. Mm. So I think that's a great place to go back to regularly um, and make sure, make sure that we all, by the grace of God, come into that knowledge of how deeply God loves you as an individual. Right. He loves you. He loves you. He loves you. He loves me. And he knows our weaknesses. And he says, I know your weaknesses. And we say, "What do you love me anyway? Absolutely. I see right through all of that failure. And I see right through the weakness. And the, I see right through the immaturity. And I see your destiny as a child of God, a daughter, a son, a royal priest even. You know, that's what we're called to be is royal priests. So we haven't taught enough on identity, the identity that we have in Christ. And when you add the belonging to one another, that is a dynamic duo. And the church world is missing a lot of that as an emphasis, as an infrastructure for spiritual growth.
0: I love it. Well, as we close today, I'd love for you to pray for us that we would be uh, saturated in the love of God. And uh, our prayer and prophetic team are going to be available here at the front if you would like to receive ministry at the end of this service. Uh, Specifically, as we were praying uh, this morning, there was a sense that uh, there are people here, when you hear the love of God, it's like, uh, yeah, but I've got this deal in my life, that if someone knew about this, if this came to the light, that that would surely kind of cancel out this, this love message. And we just got the sense that God wanted to give people the gift of confession today. there would be an opportunity to bring hidden things into the light, to confess sin or, or things that you've just held on to uh, that no one can know about this. Bring those into the light and that God wanted to bring you, as you confess those, from that place of being bound up to experiencing his love and his light and his healing and his power and his forgiveness. And so if that's you, if as I'm talking, you're like, that's me, I want to invite you to come forward in just a minute as well. Uh, We want to pray and minister to you. So let's stand up. And Michael, would you pray for us as we close? Absolutely.
1: Again, thank you for having me today. It's such an honor to be with God's people. Hold your hands out like you're going to receive a gift from Someone, and that someone has a capital S, you know, That someone who made you, someone who came for you even before you were born. He came for you. He came and laid his life down for you so that all the barriers could be broken down between us and our Creator. And when we come to Jesus, we're coming home. We're coming home. This is our true home. And you need to know today how deeply he loves you. And everything that we offer up as an excuse for why he might not, he just says, I know that. And he, he just washes it away. He just puts it aside. I know, but I love you. But, Lord, I don't feel worthy. I know, but I love you anyway because I made you. And I want you. So, Father, may the Holy Spirit hover over us today, brood over us, brooding over us, brooding over us, and revealing to us your love for us and that you want each of us, Lord, not just someone else. Oh, yeah, you can love them, Lord, but no, he wants, he wants you to know that he loves you. He loves you, He wants you, and He wants to be wanted back. But that comes second. You got to know that He wants you. He chose you to be His in Christ. So, Holy Spirit, you're the one who broods over chaos. You're the one who brings order out of chaos. And so hover over each of us now and bring order, beautiful divine order out of the chaos of our hearts. The doubts, the fears, the shame that we've lived in, the regret. I feel there's a number of people that have some regrets, and the Lord's saying, It's time to stop regretting. You got a new beginning. Don't regret. I'll turn it for good. That's what he's saying. Don't live in regret. It doesn't help. So Holy Spirit, blow upon these beautiful men and women. Brood over them and bring to birth this strong revelation that we have not received a spirit of fear. Fear that leads to slavery, but we have received the Holy Spirit who cries, Daddy, within us. You can call him Daddy. You can call the Almighty God Daddy, Papa. So, Papa, let sons and daughters come home and let them find rest. Just see God, like, sitting in this great big chair, in a family room. And he's welcoming the children and the grandchildren, you know, he's just welcoming all of us. Sons and daughters, just come come near and enjoy. Enjoy the love that he has for you. Don't just don't just believe it in your head, enjoy it in your heart. Receive it. Will you do that today? Will you Agree with me in prayer, and if it's been hard for you to receive it, that's okay too. He knows how to break, break down the barrier. Just welcome him to do that now. Just Lord, break through the barriers, the excuses, the obstacles in the way, and just come capture my heart with how much you love me. I'll tell you folks, if we get a hold of the, if this gets a hold of us, we will love him back. we will love other people. We will even love our enemies by the power of the Holy Spirit. I bless you today, Antioch Community Church. I bless you in the name of Jesus Christ. May you prosper. May you be fruitful. May you be fruitful in Dallas. May you be a source of that water that Joe talked about that is wanting to, God wants to cascade over a concrete jungle where people are rushing around and scratching out livings and mistreating others. May you be a witness and a light. May you be an oasis in the concrete jungle. And God will draw many, many different kinds of people to you to be a part of your community. I see multicultural, multigenerational... I see a bunch of people who are gonna be a part of you that aren't here yet, but they're coming in the years ahead. Welcome them ahead of time. Make room in your heart for the the new ones who are going to come. They're gonna come in all shapes and sizes, all kinds of colors, all kinds of gifts, and some strong and some weak. May God bless you. May God bless your family. Just bless you, Zach. Bless you and Christina and the rest of the leaders and each leadership couple, Lord, or the singles. Just bless them as leaders to give them wisdom to know how to guide this family at at every turn. In the name of Jesus. I thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Oh, I'm done.
0: That was awesome. Thank you very much for pouring into us today and Um, If you would like prayer, prophetic ministry, again, our team will be up here after the service. We'll continue this discussion about practicing the way next week. Until then, be blessed, go swimming, eat a snow cone for me, and uh, we'll see you guys around.